Scott and Liam versus Evil. Hello, hello. and hello. <laughs> We've not been away that long, have we? <laughs> Actually, have I? <laughs> hello, and welcome to the newest episode of. Scotland Liam versus Evil. However, if you're not listening to these in order and you're listening to these in about four months' time, this won't be the newest episode. But anyways, here we go. Hey, the way we're currently going, it might actually still be the newest <laughs> episode in three months. This is episode number... 65? Yeah, 65, eh? That's what I was going to say, and I thought that surely we're not at 65 already. I might actually just go double-check that two seconds, because I don't know if we are. <laughs> no, I, I think that was what I was... And had my head and I thought, no, it surely can't be. Mm. Anyways, we have been away for about three weeks, I think. We had plans to have an episode recorded um, to come out round about the time that uh, I was getting married. That's right, I am now married. I am old as fuck. I've got a ring in my finger. And we had to wait until my wife was out of the, the house so that I could have a free night because... Uh, then she's not here to tell me what to do, so that's why it's taking so, taking so long. Start off my life as you mean to go on, Scott. <laughs> that that is that is it. Um, yeah, we had uh, we had a, a, a kind of wedding themed episode planned, and uh, kind of sat. I don't know. Did you? I don't know if you watched the, the movie or not, but I watched the movie. I wrote notes, and then my, that notepad just fully disappeared. Yeah, I did watch it. I actually had some really good points to make, but. I'm glad that we didn't do it and we decided on the movie for this episode instead because it's so much better. I think it is definitely a, a kind of heavier hitter and it's a, a bigger movie and I think it'll, you know, you'll be you'll be happy that we've come back, all you guys listening and we're waiting, thinking, you know what, that's Scott and Liam versus Evil, they're all right, but I'm not really waiting for them. Well, you know what, we've come back with an absolute belter. <laughs> do I tell them what it is, Liam? It is Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Ooh. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. No, that really makes a difference because he's in your dreams and he's got to get you regardless, so sing away. Sing away, little girls, sing away. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, do I just get straight into the movie or do you want to have a little discussion about your fa- fabulous, fantastic, party-filled wedding day? Well, it was pretty good, wasn't it? I mean, it's literally... We've always had some good weather just recently there with the, the Maybank holiday and whatnot, but leading up to my wedding, it was that was like six feet of snow a couple of weeks before it, and then it was pissing in with rain. And then on that actual Saturday, I don't think I've seen a bluer sky in my life, and I'm not just saying that because it was my day. It literally was the best day you could have possibly have asked It was for. bookend. It, like, it was the fucking sunniest day Scotland has had up until this weekend. But it was bookended with yeah. shit either day, like pouring the rain the day before, yeah. pouring the rain the day after, and then it was as if Mother Nature or God or whoever controls the sun knew it was your wedding day and just made it fucking perfect. If there's ever any more reasons for me to believe that I'm in the Truman Show, I mean, that was it. <laughs> if anything, though, if you were the Truman Show, it would make way better TV for it to have like, snowed on your wedding day. <laughs> well, I... Maybe. <laughs> but it was it was a pretty good day wasn't it I remember it was a fast day everybody said to me your wedding day will go by really really fast almost as fast as you speak and I thought nah it can't actually be that fast but yeah it totally zoomed past and it wasn't until like the first dance was over at the back of eight at night that 
I actually started getting like a proper drink because then everybody was getting buying me drinks and I was pretty smashed by the by the end of it. But you know, it was it was good fun and I enjoyed it. And I hope everybody else that was there did too. Oh, it was brilliant, and I was honoured to be part of it. Not as a bride, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as uh, the the groom's brigade, one of the main men. Yeah, I was honoured to have you there. It was it was the tits. I was drunk all day. <laughs> but I was like a, a competent drunk that like people knew I was drunk but I wasn't being sick everywhere or like falling all over myself that's kind of the bet the best kind of drunk yeah like even like your mum and your dad kept talking to me the whole day and even at night they said bye to me so I didn't do anything that upsetting <laughs> and the speeches were the tits your speech your brother's speech they were fucking amazing man it's alright wasn't it yeah it's good. How does it feel being, being tied down? <laughs> it, uh, it feels kind of the same, only my list of tasks that I'm getting given is increased dramatically. Like, just kind of trivial tasks or like actual important tasks? I like like well, impre- impregnate your wife? Aye, <laughs> yeah. Aye, it's, uh, you would think that would that wouldn't be a, a chore, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so nah, glad Lauren joke. doesn't actually have a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. A joke, a joke. Um, <laughs> I know, but it's, it's great. It was a great day and I'm, I'm happy that I've done it. Good. I'm glad. Now, back to the serious stuff. Horror movies. So, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors came out in 1987. It was directed by Chuck Russell, who then went on to make the remake of The Blob and The Mask and The Scorpion King. Did you know that? Uh, is this The Mask as in Jim Carrey's mask? Yep. or? Mask is in uh, Cher's mask with the guy with the deformed face. <laughs> and Eric Stoltz. No, it was the yeah. Jim Carrey mask. Mm. One of those movies made me cry. Um, was it the Jim and- Carrey mask? <laughs> <laughs> did you and did you see the Scorpion King? Is that the crap mummy movie with the Rock? Yeah, which also made me cry. <laughs> Just because it was made. Um, yeah, this was also uh, the story was also again written by Wes Craven in this one. Yep. And uh, check that it's got a budget of four point five million. Got about eight million in open weekend and grossed about forty four point seven million overall in the US. So quite a successful outing. Does West West Craven had sacked the the sequel? Didn't he? That he didn't want anything to do with Freddy's Revenge. Too homosexual for him. <laughs> no, I liked it because it was homosexual. I have no. I've, did you know he, Jesse can live his life however he wants to live? <laughs> but if he's um, Freddy takes him over and he ends up I don't actually remember the second one that's the one Freddy kind of embodies him almost doesn't he and makes him kill people and all that is that right? I think so something along those lines I was I was thinking about it today when I was looking at him because I've got like the, the seven disc box set and I was looking at him thinking you know when you get to like and this part is this is in my notes as we go through but like when you get to like five and six even when you get to four they're all crap it all just kind of melds together into the same movie yeah, just puns. Which is still quite good, but Dream Warriors is the fucking best by far. Right, well, I would have said this as well. See if, see if you asked me yesterday, I would have said the exact same thing as well. However, this morning, half past nine this morning, I got up and I was um, watching this and uh, we'll see if my opinion <laughs> changed. <laughs> well, so Wes Craven then jumped back to do this because obviously the sequel that Scott is called homosexual. Uh, no, 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 I never. I said, I said Wes Craven. <laughs> said it was. Said it was. Uh, made fortunes at the box office. So, obviously, to cash in, 
he came back, he co-wrote the script with uh, Frank Darabond, who then went on to direct Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mile. And The Walking Dead. And probably other things, maybe things that aren't quite as good as The Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption. Uh, some shitty zombie programme. He's actually, well, see, no, it would probably go in your favour because he done season one of The Walking Dead and then the, there's a whole big who hashed Ramash thing about where he was sacked or whatever and he's kind of trying to take them to court legally they're now to sue them because they never kept him on for the continuing seasons to be honest that's probably a blessing in disguise for him because season 2 onwards was pretty pretty pish well then if you imagine what it would have been like if he'd been kept on yeah it would have been amazing hmm Street Part 3. Freddy's just around the corner. So the synopsis from the back of the VHS is it's been years since the demented child killer Freddy Krueger was torched by an avenging mob on Elm Street. Now the last of the Elm Street kids have moved into a psychiatric ward. There the diabolical Freddy haunts their dreams, torturing them with a ghastly surreal assortment of unspeakable ordeals. Their only hope is dream researcher Nancy Thompson, who helps him band together to face a supernatural maniac on his own turf. But once inside Freddy's seething, hallucinatory dream world, there's only one way out. Straight through a hellish, heart-stopping nightmare of pure, razor-edged terror. Yes, please, I want to rent this VHS. <laughs> so is, is that what Nancy's job was, dream researcher? Yeah, I have no idea why Nancy's in this, because did she not die in the first one? I was I was thinking this and I was thinking how did the first one end? I can't remember. The first one was made in eighty four, then two was coming out in eighty five, and this one's eighty seven. So you're assuming that if I remember right, that it was kind of high school age. So she's no more than eighteen in eighty four. So that would make her eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one, and she's already like sitting next to the top psychiatrist in this hospital <laughs> as a top dreams researcher. She's probably, she's not even out of uni, and to become <laughs> a dream researcher, where she she's in a psychiatric hospital having that much input with the, the doctors who are clearly been there with experience wearing a suit she's going to have to have been at uni at least until she's 25 26 so i'm already out but because you because you can't wear a suit without going to uni no <laughs> but is dream researcher an actual real job at no your, it's at not your hospital at your hospital no. do you have dream researchers if we had a if we had a dream researcher walk in i'd be i swear to god you'd be like no just get out <laughs> just get just or just leave get out 
Oh, God, right. Anyway, this um, this movie is the one, this is what I would put down as one of my first forays into horror, and it's if you don't count the witches when I was three and I get took out of the cinema and the Odin and Hamilton by Matt Carroll and had to leave Green because it was terrifying. Well, but, you were three? Yeah, I was three, yeah. I think your aunt has got some questions to answer there well, because it was, I'm it, pretty sure it's, it's, a, it's a P. It was a PG or a, or a, it may even have been a U, I can't remember, but it's it was Roald Dahl, so you think, oh, you know, we've read the book, he's got the book in the house, or well, maybe I wasn't three, maybe I was four, but I was definitely way, way young. And it was just that scene where they took all their skin off and became the actual witches. I was that fucking, I was like, that is terrifying. And if you think about it, it is quite scary for, you know, a really young Wayne. Oh, anything written by Roald Dahl is fucking terrifying. <laughs> it was the most obscure, surreal author of children's books ever. Yeah, they were quite, weren't they? And also, you were only three or four when the witches came out. I think so. I thought you were three or four when there was actual real witches. Mm-hmm. Like fucking 1865 Salem. I don't even know if, that's, if that is when the Salem witch trials happened. That's, no, no, you're, you're way <laughs> off this. Witch trials was like 1690. Do you know what? It's not 1690. That You're just getting... That was just a Rangers reference there. Oh, but I don't really give a fuck about Scottish football, so that wasn't. But it, it was the 1600s for sure. Eh... I'm going to, Lena's going to roast me for getting that totally <laughs> fucking 200 years wrong, but tell her I'm not married, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, on you go. Right, um, so many scenes in this uh, movie resonate with me because it was like my kind of first proper movie I seen. It was my neighbour that, that showed that what uh, showed me a copy of it. Um, I don't know if you got if he's big sister or he's mental cousin or whatever it was from but I was about eight I think <laughs> when I saw so you know the guy next to me was a fucking nut job you know and I was like ah oh, man so he was putting this on and the first scene it still sticks with me and it's that whole dream and it's that first paper mache house that she's building and then the trike comes in and then I can always I can remember the hanging I actually wrote this note before I even watched the scene play out so I've got the paper mache house build dream sequence the the trike the body's hanging, the knee deep in the thick blood that you can't run in. And I was like, this is fully stuck in my head. And I was like, even though it's not really scary anymore, watching it this morning, it, you know, I remember feeling scared. I don't still feel the same fear, which is unfortunate because that's what I like to feel when I watch horror movies. But I can still remember, I can still kind of remember how I felt then. But um, it's, but see, what I tried to do when I was watching it this time around was put myself actually fully into the character's you know positions and i'll go further into that later on but uh you imagine a dream that you can't you know you can't control and like you can't run away you are stuck you are somewhere you don't know what the hell's going on like i had a dream just like last night or the night before that um i had agreed that to get the band back together and play a gig and we were supporting status quo and we were standing in <laughs> right we were standing in the venue or i was standing in the venue i don't know if i don't know where you were I, but what I was aware of was that Mark hadn't turned up and I was like literally and it was weird because State Score were already playing but we were playing like after them in the venue next door and it, it, it was a dream so it worked it made sense right but I was like Mark's not here I was like fuck where the hell's Mark and somebody phoned Mark but there was nobody there that knew who Mark was so I couldn't get anybody to phone him and then I realised that we not only was Mark not there but we hadn't rehearsed <laughs> so, <laughs> and I was and so that was fucking terrifying so do you know I mean dreams are like they're scary and you imagine like you've actually got Freddy Krueger run about trying to kill you. I like, you. I like how you're comparing Freddy Krueger dreams where people get sliced and diced to being like a, a scary dream and us not practising before 
supporting star status quo is <laughs> equally as terrifying as being murdered is it I th- you know i will i would i would definitely put up there they can i think maybe even more because see if you're getting murdered you're like i've only got myself to really care about see if you're about to let down the status quo and all their fans that's that's uh, tough that's tough going see boys the scariest thing about that is us actually supporting status quo and <laughs> even more terrifying is that status quo are still playing when one of them's dead <laughs> well I. <laughs> uh, but the there is truth to your dream because Mark did like really show up on time or <laughs> before we were on stage. <laughs> yep. So uh, there is truth to those dreams. But yeah, so the the house has been built by Patricia Arquette. Who's like got think. a really strange, apathetic delivery, isn't she? Yeah, like really, really soft-spoken, whispery, kind of quiet crap. I wouldn't say crap. I she's think only she, there because she's only there because her grandfather and her dad were both actors. No, she's only there because she's attractive, and I quite like her acting. Mm. And this I see her as the the teen Macaulay Culkin that you're allowed to fuck. Like Macaulay Culkin, there's always something about him that you think, "Oh man, see if I was a bird, I'd I'd just jump on you because you were in Home Alone and you've got a wee edge to you, but you can't do that because you're not gay." But Patricia Arquette looks a bit like Macaulay Culkin and you're allowed to fancy her. Okay. <laughs> I think though that it's, no, I was thinking, no, because I was a, because when I seen like pictures of Macaulay Culkin and he was like back on track and he was like, doing well, I was like, I was really pleased and I was like so chuffed that he was, you know, doing well for himself and that. But of course you were, you were allowed to fuck him now. He's an adult and he can make that decision. You're probably allowed to fuck him when he was a wee boy as well because Michael Jackson did, clearly. <laughs> Those are the opinions and thoughts of Scott and not Liam. Thing is, see if see if Macaulay Culkin wasn't in Home Alone. Uh-huh. Michael Jackson would have still fancied him and he'd have still banged him. But Macaulay Culkin would have said he did because he would need he wouldn't have had any money. Whereas he had all his Home Alone money, so he was like, oh, I don't need to grasp Michael in. But even now, he still like Macaulay Culkin's not loaded and he still denies being banged by Michael Jackson, so I don't actually think he did get banged. Macaulay Culkin must be loaded. How? He was in two movies when he was eight years old. <laughs> Aye, but bear in mind... He was rich, rich. He'd get like, divorced with his parents and stuff, and a lot of that money will be tied up on so much other shit that he doesn't have access to, and also, he then became a junkie, so most of that money went straight into his veins, if that was his druggy choice. What about... When he was in a, a cover, the available underground cover band called the Pizza Underground, where they changed all the words to mean to be doing with pizza. I think he's still in that band, but do you th- do you honestly think he's making millions from the fucking Pizza Underground? I think he's he's probably. Do you know what he's probably making millions from walking about with that picture of Ryan Gosling on his t-shirt with the picture of Macaulay Culkin on the t-shirt with the picture of Ryan Gosling on that t-shirt. Making so. millions or just being pretty cool and going viral I don't think he's making money off it you'd be surprised what you can make money off aren't they these days <laughs> actually some fucking I think it's a, a bot messaged me on Instagram wanting to use one of the videos of the cat on some upcoming project and I had to name a price so I was like alright tell me more about this project and they were like oh it's fun animal videos we'll give you $20 for the video I was like why the fuck are you even bothering messaging me <laughs> Twenty dollars. You asked me to name a price, and then you tell me twenty dollars. That is not the price I was thinking. A thousand pounds or something. That's what I was thinking. Aye. 
You don't say to someone like, I'll name you a price, by the way, it's actually $20. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, yeah, you just use it. You know? But basically, so what I'm doing is selling a video with my cat for a, like £11.43. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that, so I don't even reply. Fuck the bots. Quite right. Anyway, yeah, Patricia Arquette looks a bit like a, a sexy Macaulay Culkin. Moving on. Well, after she has her crazy dream and then um, she wakes up and her mum comes in to tell her that um, she should go to bed because it's past one. Um, she then ends up in a mental institution. I think that's not directly seen after it, but pretty quickly she, she gets sent to a mental institution. She cut well, Freddie cuts her wrists. That's right, in that's the right. And then her mum walks in and thinks she's trying to top herself. Yep. Um, so then we cut to the, the, the hospital where she is kind of fighting against one of the nurses. She knocks him to the ground. Uh, the doctor comes in in his tweed jacket and she you know, pushes somebody else over. She's fighting against getting sedated and she picks up a scalpel and I think she cuts Larry Fishburne at this point. I'm not sure if it's, maybe it's one of the other nurses. No, I think it is. It's so weird calling him Larry Fishburne. I know. That, I'm only calling him Larry Fishburne because that's what he's credited as back then. But he hadn't changed his name to Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. Apparently he changed it because it added, uh, Lawrence added more dignity. It to... does. He's right. Yeah, of course it does. <laughs> Um, but my note here was if that had been a real mental hospital or mental health hospital she would have been decked and jagged ages ago there wouldn't be scalpels lying about on the table and that doctor would be nowhere to be seen man he'd be nowhere near that room because there are shite bags even in the 80s yep I suppose you probably were like a, a mental health nurse in the 80s with your age in that <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, when are you 30? Next year? Uh, no. Look, I'm off five, five, six years. Aye, right, away you go. <laughs> right, um, no, but they just, they wouldn't have, that just would have been a completely different situation. Like, honestly, doctors, they don't even, they don't even, they barely even turn up, so that's already fake. <laughs> that, that sounds like an outrageous uh, statement to make that doctors barely even turn up. No, but they, they, they turn up, they turn up for like 10 minutes. Like, I'm talking about how much they see patients. Oh, right, okay. Or I thought you might just turn up to their job. I thought the, the NHS would be fucked. Aye, <laughs> they're, 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 they're in offices and they're in meetings. They're just no on the floor. Sorry, my next note is this is when I'm, I'm asking. So this is only three years since the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I called her Heather, but then I realised that name's Nancy. That's her real name, isn't it? So yeah. Nancy was in high school then, and now she's like, and I've called her a shrink because I don't know what she was. Uh, and I was like, is she on a placement? Couldn't you quite work it out? It kind of threw me because at the end of the first one, her and her, a couple of her friends are like leaving in the car, and then Freddie pulls her mother through the door, and it kind of cuts to the girl singing. So it's it's heavily implied that she died, and then in the second movie they talk about how she was basically sent to a psychiatric unit, but as in a patient, yeah, not a doctor. And then this one, obviously, because Wes Craven and I don't like the sequel, they've just thought, fuck it, I want her alive, so let's bring her back, make her a doctor, and nobody will question it. Until 20 years later, we're two drunk folk from Scotland are questioning it. Why is she there? 30 years later. 30, is it 30? 1987, eh? I honestly have no concept of time or yeah. this. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so it's, it's kind of like a Halloween idea, like you just forget one of them and just like write off one of the, the movies and then they just kind of fix it, fix the yeah. story to themselves. But, it, but Wes Craven killed her off. Uh, well, it 
he heavily implied killed her off in his original movie. So is he like decided actually I wish I hadn't killed her off, let's bring her back? You can't just do that. Well, I guess if you're if you're Wes Craven and you created the characters, you can. And then technically, when you get to number seven, you can kind of see why it is possible, even if it doesn't make sense. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, she's so she's a young doctor that managed to get a like a total doctorate and be the top of her game within three years, which is yeah. very impressive. And she comes in and meets all the patients, all the characters that we yeah. then follow through the movie we the one of the first ones we meet obviously other than patricia arquette is a uh, eyeball chambers yep uh bradley Gregg is uh eyeball chambers is the character who played in stand by me obviously um i can't remember what his name is he was the tit uh, he was the tit he was the tits in classy 1999 <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> um what happened and to I, him? I think i just i was just about to say he's he's Quite like he doesn't he? He looks completely different in Stand by Me as he does in both Class Nine 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 and in this movie. But he's very capable of handling himself on screen. A good actor, a good-looking guy in his day. I don't know why he didn't get more and more roles and become bigger than he is. Unless he is in things that we just don't really recognise, maybe TV things. His IMDb kind of headshot picture is like not from the eighties. It's it's like he's old in it. So he's obviously kept working. Is there anything so, recently that stands out? Is I I didn't look at it this time, but I can't. Right. Uh, if it was for ninety nine, I remember I worked class ninety nine that I looked it back, but I don't know what he's mm-hmm. in. I'm, I'm assuming he's he's in something, but it must be just so shite. If, if he's not doing anything, I hope he comes back because I like him. Yeah, me too. And maybe I'll come on the show and we'll talk to him. <laughs> let, let, let's let's see him for that. Right. <laughs> so on. Um, <laughs> He uh, he's like says to Nancy like welcome to the snake pit and then there's a wee bit of foreshadowing because he says uh, he can't make his models out of wood because they won't give him a knife and he think I might <laughs> and he acts as if he's going to slit his wrists. Yep. I think do we, so. Do we get to meet them all? I think they they've all yeah. got different cliches. They've all got different you know reasons for being there. Yeah, there's a girl who burns herself to keep herself awake because of Freddy. Who I thought was. Uh, uh, I forget her name the girl who's the voice of Brady Chucky who's the voice of the Joe's wife and um, family guy but it's not her oh. fuck tit tit yeah big tits <laughs> <laughs> oh shit I can't remember her name I, I no, know who you're talking about but no it's, it's, not, it's not her and we're introduced to the mute the mute boy the mute Yep, who's just yeah. mute because he's seen some bad shit. He's not. There's not actually a reason. He's just. Yeah. They just said he doesn't. He doesn't talk so much anymore. Uh, there is the the black guy who's like meant to be the hard man. Yep. But has a really weird accent that I don't know if it's meant to be Jamaican. It was kind of there was slightly high pitched at times as well, it's, and it just it doesn't kind of fit his character. It's it is it's a wee bit of kind of a mismatch uh, yeah. at casting or character uh, and we meet the boy who's the boy with the uh, teardrop tattoo in his eye he looks um, as if he's about seven and a half and he's got a teardrop tattoo but then which throughout the rest of the movie he's not got a teardrop tattoo which one's he I think it's the the boy that plays like Dungeons and Dragons or whatever the 
cheap copy of Dungeons and Dragons that they use in this movie is. The um, I don't think, I don't remember seeing where he dropped tattoo. The very like basically just as they're getting introduced, he turned around and he's got a wee teardrop uh, on his eye, and I thought, oh shit, are they going to elaborate on that? And they didn't. They don't. <laughs> and it's not there for the rest of the movie. Go, go back and watch it. You see. Right. You, it's not really a character that you would um, care about. That you would, you, or no, you care about, <laughs> or, or 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 think that you would have a, a tattoo like that anyway, would you? No, unless he was doing it for some sort of role playing game. Try to impress the the goth chick, probably. Yeah, who is also then the stereotypical junkie. She's a yep. patient because she's had a hard time with drugs. Yes, she still does conventions. That, that girl, I'm sure. Doesn't she? I think so, yeah. If you've been in a franchise movie like Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th and not done anything else much after that, then if a convention's going to have you there and you there's a chance you can make any money, fucking go for it. This is like kind of how I wish that I'd went to the the, cast, the extras casting for Star Wars because then I could just do that forever. Just keep going to the London Comic Convention and just sit there. <laughs> I bet you would just sit there. No, no, <laughs> people come. People, people go and get people to sign stormtrooper pictures. You don't even know if they're actually if they were actually in it or not. <laughs> like the guy who was inside the, the costume for Darth Vader and Boba Fett, they sit there. You're like, how do I know it was actually you? Aye, but the guy that was in the costume for Darth Vader was also the Green Cross Code man. So he's massive in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> I I hope that one day they'll come and ask me to do a convention as the extra for the little vampire. For the little vampire. Wear your double denim so they know it was always you. <laughs> and every photo, I'm just double denim. No matter how old I get, just me double <laughs> denim. I'll actually, I'll get the bike as well. It was a silver Peugeot bike. And I, I'll, I'll Peugeot? Yeah, it was Peugeot. I always remember it because I didn't know Peugeot did bicycles. They surely they don't still do, do they? No, I, I don't even know if it was... It must have been an actual Peugeot bike. There's no way they just made it for the movie because you don't see it in the movie. Was but it not I, your actual bike? No, no, no. So they, they gave you the Scott, bike? it's fucking Hollywood, man. You don't bring your own bikes to the, <laughs> to the set. I thought that's why you got to push the bike because you, cause you had your own. No, no, they trusted me with uh, one, of the, one of the... The, uh, the only Peugeot thing. bikes in the world? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of the set's actual proper bikes. Which is quite good. It's, it gets more impressive every time I, I, I think I find it <laughs> about um, the story. <laughs> impressive enough to ask me to go to a convention and sign some pictures. Do you, I wonder, do you think they ask you or do you think you could ask them? I, I think <laughs> you really need to be desperate if you've got to ask them. Oh, hiya, I'm kind of famous. Can I come? <laughs> also, obviously I'm not, so there's absolutely not a fucking chance any convention. Although, maybe the popcorn horror will ask me. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe uh, so that, right so now this is one of the first good big CGI kind of memorable scenes from the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise after the original where Freddy turns into a big giant kind of worm creature penis, penis. Uh, even now watching it for this that some good special effects I did say that. I don't know where my note is. I think I didn't write that until the end. But yeah, I did think that at the time. I thought the kind of stop motion they're using for this particular effect, when Freddy's head kind of sits up and sees Nancy into the dream, I was like, that's actually pretty good. Like, yeah, it works. 
yeah, that's aged well, and it doesn't it doesn't look old. Like it, it looks old, but it doesn't look you know it doesn't look bad. Yeah, as we'll discuss other effects that don't <laughs> age well. So then we basically jumps on to they're trying to work out that they can go through Patricia Arquette's head and meet up in dreams and kill Freddy. Yes. Yeah. And this is this is where you can see that it's not like they say it's a it's like it's not a proper mental health movie. I can't you can't when I started watching it and they're, sort of, they're going to a mental health hospital, maybe I'll try and look at it for a different angle and see if maybe it's even really well written and it's cleverly written and, and it you know there's more layers to it. But not that it's not cleverly written, but you can't it's not got a, a deeper level of like mental health because they all have shared uh, experiences. They've all got um they're having shared dreams and they're seeing the same person in each of their dreams and then even without them joining in each other's dreams, that becomes like impossible. Even just the actual shared kind of delusion of a guy wearing knife hands trying to get them is is enough to say that it's not um, an actual yeah. mental problem as such. It would be more, it's, it's a bit more, way, way more complicated for people to share delusions, like to, to get the details right, like that, you know. See if that happened in real life though, like if there, if he did have shared delusions, would doctors believe that you had shared delusions or would they just think you were fucking at it? It would be a specialist end to it, so you would need to, they would need to be able to have, be interviewed and assessed separately to find out that the delusions were still shared rather than sitting together and either consciously or subconsciously taking details from each other and then come back and saying, no, this is what I'm seeing. Because, and then, do you know what I mean? So we need to be completely separate from someone who's having the shared delusion and to find out if the, the details stayed the same or if they were at it or feeding off each other even without realising they were doing it. So who would have that job? Would it be a dream researcher? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess so. I If it was uh, shared dreams they were having, maybe you need to employ a dream researcher. Fucking you, it was a real job, man. I wouldn't be on shift that day though. I can do sit and listen. I can imagine. I can picture exactly how a dream researcher would speak. Go for it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Did you ever read Big Time magazine? Big Time. Yeah. Big no. Time. You never did as a kid. I don't know what you're talking about. It was just called Big Time, and it always came with like a toy. You're maybe too old for it. I was just going to say, I wasn't a kid, I wasn't a kid when you were a kid. <laughs> uh, it was called Big Time Magazine, but there used to be a, there was a wee comic strip in it every week or every two weeks. And it was about a group of kids that all like met up in their dreams and went on adventures. So it wasn't called like the Sleepover Club or anything like that, but that's kind of what... That would be a perfect name for it. Like, so they would leave school and be like, okay, meet tonight and we'll do such and such. And then they would all meet in the dream and they'd go on adventures. If anyone out there knows what that comic is called, please tell me because I have been trying to find it for years. I keep asking Lena about it and stuff. Nobody remembers it. I'm starting to think it is actually in my head, but it used to be such a good comic strip. And it's very much like a children's version of Dream Warriors. It's like if you seem to be the only person that knows that this existed, so this would be an example of a delusion. <laughs> but it's not a delusion. <laughs> one, one million percent was a thing. It was in Big, Big time. time Magazine. Big Time. Big Time. Oh, I see, because the only thing I ever do is buy Kerrang and just wank, o- wank over uh, the Pandora comic strip. Aye, but what age were you? That was like at 19 and that. I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, that was about six. <laughs> 
No, I've got no idea what you're talking about. But hopefully, someone will believe that we are at the scene that fully terrified me as a child. Now, this is when Bradley Gregg is sleeping, and one of these models, uh, Freddy, changes and like morphs into him and stands up. And there's a wee bit of stop motion animation here as well, and it's all right. And then Freddy stands up, and he uh, slices him up his arms and up his legs and pulls his veins out and it's it just I don't I don't really know why that got me so much and maybe it's uh, maybe that's led to my kind of not not fears or such but you know like that whole thing if I think of, I think of my heart beating it's going to I think it's going to stop or I can't watch like 24 hours in a and if they're putting in Hickman lines or anything to do with like the big thick veins and stuff when they go inside yeah. them because it just it fully freaks me out so I don't know if this is led into that or not but just the whole scene, just the way that he, he, he put the pull, pulls out the veins and it pulls his like kind of fingers in as if he's technically that would be if he's pulling tendons as well. Although the veins would go down into his fingers, so why maybe they would pull them in? And you can hear the kind of heartbeat going through, and then uh, he goes up and walks out. But he's he's known for sleepwalking, yeah. so his friend uh, sees him walk out and thinks he's sleepwalking. But then he already knows about the Freddy Dream stuff, so if they're already still, they're already trying not to go to sleep. So why the fuck is he just letting them walk away whether he's sleepwalking or not? That's a good question, Scott. <laughs> why is he? Because he's an asshole. Yeah. This, that scene kind of works in reverse for me. I've always had, not because of this scene, a weird, like, if someone touches my wrists or, like, they kind of crook in my arm where you would take blood, I get really uneasy. I, I hate I hate the feeling of it. I hate touching it. I hate, I hate knowing that I have veins <laughs> and arteries. So this scene makes me feel really uncomfortable because I already have that, not fear, but that uncomfortable kind of opinion. Whereas it's what actually gave you that. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. <laughs> no yeah, it does. I. It does. I. I get what you mean. It, I think it, just, it does just kind of work really well though, doesn't it? Because obviously it freaked, it freaked me out and it stayed with me and it freaks you out whenever you watch it. So yeah. I mean, there's enough there's enough in it to um, to be definitely terrifying. But I do have a question about the way that some of these dream sequences work, all right? Now, in the dream, Freddy's pulled his veins out and he's uh-huh. walking them about. But in real life, that's not happened. Because when Kincaid wakes up to see him and says, oh, you sleepwalking, the veins aren't hanging above his head. Same as when... I can't remember what somebody who's already been in a dream already wakes up and it's they're not you know, they're not where they were. If that makes sense there. In fact I think it's later on. In the dream, the guy's fully left the room and he's fucked off to some other area of the the place. And then when they all wake up he's still in the room. Because he never yeah. actually left because he was dreaming. So like how how do you know how how can I don't know, how can he how can he make him get up and walk about the whole hospital? But he also isn't doing anything to him in real life. But then sometimes he can actually, you know, when he cuts open somebody's belly in real life and Nancy's looking, it's it happening in real life, but it's happening in dreams. It's, I think there's maybe maybe it's maybe it isn't. Maybe it is all makes sense. But I think there's some kind of logic gaps where the you know the the whole science of how Freddy works doesn't isn't consistent. Is the the reason Eyeball Chambers dies like that? No. As you say, because he's known for sleepwalking. So, although Freddy's only in his dream, the same as he's in everybody else's dream, he 
Eyeball is dreaming as he walks. So Freddy can kind of use that by then walking him off the top of the, the building like he does. So Eyeball doesn't die because his veins are ripped out. He dies because he falls from the top of the building. So he has just still killed in the dream, but it just so happens that he's walking as he's dreaming, whereas the other kids don't sleepwalk. So that's why some of them don't. But I don't remember what one you're talking about where he ends up somewhere else and then back in the room. So I don't know I'll get I'll, right, I'll bring that back up then because it's uh, it's in a scene coming up later on. But to be honest, we're questioning logic in a movie that is about a, a burnt pedophile that uh, kills kids in their dreams. So there's not really a lot of logic to begin with. That uh, technically technically true, but I guess if there's nothing. If, there's, if you can't argue the logic and nonsense 80s horror movies, what's the point of this show? Ah, true. But, but also, if, if he was a paedophile, why is he then, to get his revenge, is he trying to kill the kids? Surely if he's a paedophile, all he wants to do is get in the dreams and fuck all the kids. Well, that's the thing, because that's what I was always wondering, because I don't think, in the original, I don't think he's a paedophile, I think he's just a child killer, which is still bad, but it's not the worst. Whereas, I think in the remake which was awful in its own right, I think he was a pedo in that one. Now, see, I always thought he was a pedo. Well, see, I think I think there is a kinda, that kind of great area of child killers or, ch- or ch- child murderers, child hurters, being just being pedos just in general, just like fully you know, calling the pedos anyway. But what I don't get is there's loads of people out there who are like, oh yeah, Freddy's my hero. I'm like, what the fuck? He's a child killer? He's a child killer and potential pedo? Like, what? I don't understand why... Okay, it's like Robert Englund's created a character who's got pun, punny one lines and runs about and says bitch all the time and it's like they make for good movies. But he's trying Welcome to kill to kids. Prime time, bitch. Uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's, you know, he's trying to kill kids, potentially trying to shag them. <laughs> and these are all at yes, this is brilliant. It's like there was people I had to, I had to unfollow people on Instagram because I was following loads of horror pages or whatever and I had some fucking daft lassies going oh I really wish that I could have met Ted Bundy I really fancy him you're like oh, f- are you fucking nuts the guy would pick you up and strangle you and kill you that's literally what he would do in fact you probably wouldn't he because you're no good lo- good looking enough for him but if you were and you fancied him he would strangle you and kill you like I don't understand why he's a, you know putting all these murderers and stuff up on pedestal nobody puts fucking what's his face up on my pedestal Ian Brady, because he was ugly. But they put Ted Bundy up there. Aye. I don't get it. I don't understand. Maybe they, maybe some people do put Ian Brady up there. It's mental. People are nuts. There's actual people who have got fucking Albert Fish tattoos. There's people who have got, um, their names Dylan Klebold and Eric, whatever his name is, the Columbine murderers. They've got them tattooed on their body. But that's just folk that are like, they're, they're trying to get a reaction. So they think, oh, this is cool. Everyone's going to think I'm so so weird and so obscure and so interesting. And it it just doesn't work. This is why time travel should happen. See if they really want to meet Ted Bundy. They should go back in time, meet him, have Ted Bundy kill them, and therefore save some innocent and just let all the fucking idiots die. That's no, that I think that that's definitely something that I think would work. We should develop time travel for solely for this reason. Well, I think it maybe takes somebody smarter than me to invent time travel, but I'll certainly um, advocate <laughs> its use. I, I'll, I'll advocate its use for um, letting idiots be killed by serial killers. 
Just me. I I'm eating chilli sauce today. It's catching my throat. Oh, your chilli, your chilli sauce from the wedding was delicious. Yeah, I think I'm still feeling it. Like I still have severe rings thing. It's it's uh, Cali and Reapers, man. They're just way too hot. Like I need to use a a, a milder pepper for my my main sauce and then see once that gets off the ground then I'll branch into these fucking ass rating sauces but right now I just need to get a one like the horror convention uh, an ass I, I can't seem to replicate <laughs> I can't seem to replicate that I don't know what the hell I've done but whatever anyway. you've done to the wedding one taste wise was brilliant it's just the spice wise it was too hot way too hot but yeah no I get what you're saying about the the fucking murders on pedestals the last podcast in the left Facebook group was the worst for it that was just full of fucking thirsty folk wanting to be killed while getting banged, I think. I'm not really entirely sure what the hell was going on in there. It was bonkers, wasn't it? Aye. It's just that no wonder, no wonder they shut it down. Aye. I'm still waiting for a group to get that mental. <laughs> I don't think it ever will. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So that scene is cool as fuck. And that's the first kill in this movie. And it's half an hour in. Which is strange. Strange for a teen slasher film. Yeah. I never noticed that. It's because you've got the quite scary dream sequence to begin with, and then you've got the Freddy is the big worm thing, but you forget that he didn't actually kill anybody in either of those two, no, those no. two scenes. But, see, what I was trying to see if you put yourself fully into these characters' situations, like, how hard would that actually be? Like, how hard is it to fight sleep? I'd be well dead. <laughs> I would. Yeah, I'd probably I'd be sleep, sleep in my dreams as well. <laughs> yeah, I'd be long dead as well. I don't think you can, because even if you fight sleep, no matter how much you fight it, you your body will eventually shut down and put you in a state of sleep anyway. Yeah, right. So I after there's a, there's a wee scene after um, Eyeball Chambers dies where a cliche nurse who's like fifty years old tries to bang the junky goth chick by saying that he's got the keys to the med cabinet and he'll get her all the uh, all the drugs. Like it's just so daft and cliche and. Not likely to happen. But anyway. <laughs> then we move on to the girl who's not the voice thingy from Family Guy. The, and she's... The blonde burn lassie. Yeah. She's sitting watching the telly. This tiny wee telly. And then she picks up the remote and it's like literally like a fucking cereal box. <laughs> like to change the channel, man. It's so... That is also kind of before my time, you know, you keep saying that I'm old and that. But that was... Uh, that telly's just like just looking at these days. It wasn't before days. your time though, because this was nineteen eighty seven. Hey, so what am I going to be thinking about watching telly when I was two? Would you think I was doing when I was well, two, you were, man? You were in watching but, the fucking witches when you were three, <laughs> so it was. Uh, it's just. It's just funny. It's also funny just to see how far kind of technology like that's progressed. Yeah, pretty fast, and we're still not backing them in yet, even <laughs> once. But that's for another episode. <laughs> so. Larry Fishburne comes in and says, you're up past curfew, you're supposed to be in your room. And she says, no, just let me stay up and watch the telly longer. So he says, aye, all right, but don't tell anybody I knew you were here. You know, that's fair enough. Okay, he's, he's the kind of nice nurse. Now, eventually she does fall asleep. And this is the famous scene where Freddy comes out of the TV, comes out the top and arms come out the sides and all that and the rest of it. And uh, picks her up and says the, the line. The line, actually, I believe you've already said. Welcome to prime time, bitch. And then rams are heating the telly. Now, this is a cool scene, right? It's a cool death, and it's fun to watch. But 
how would the hospital workers explain that? Like, now we're seeing, like, the real-life consequences. Like, you could look at eyeball chambers and say, oh, no, he just he killed himself, he jumped off the building. You're like, fuck, boy, didn't he? But, okay, if that's, that's what it looks like. You cannot say that the voice of the last safety family guy just got up and ran and jumped and heated the telly. <laughs> like, she, she could not have done that herself. She literally could not have pushed her head in there herself. There was no way she could have nutted that telly with some force to keep her body up there. They'd need to start asking questions. But it's... Right, I don't know a lot about mental patients and mental hospitals because I don't work there. I don't deal with it. But surely there are patients that just run head first out of the wall. No? <laughs> no, no. And certainly not into the telly the way that 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 was that was up higher than she was literally about a foot and a half off the ground her feet are hanging it's just the nurses should be asking questions saying she's been murdered like that's what they should say she's been murdered whether they believe like a dream man has done it she's been murdered <laughs> dream man. see you have a condition or you are unhinged it's a full moon and there's something on the tv and you think i want to be there i want to get in that and you can't you can't decipher that that is a tv and not actually a portal that you can jump through. Maybe you run, maybe you jump into the TV, and the TV smashes your face open, and you die. That could happen. Mental health, man, conceivably, anything it's, could happen. It's, well, that kind of delusion that you've you've just described isn't really practical, or probably not likely. If you'd done that, you would... You wouldn't be mentally ill, you'd just be stupid. <laughs> but what if you really believe that you could jump through the TV? Like, so much that it is it's something wrong with your mental capacity to understand. Is that stupid or is that mental health? To believe that you could jump through the TV is stupid. To believe that you're already inside the TV or controlling it is mental health. I don't understand the difference. See, this is why I went to uni for it. <laughs> I don't wear a suit. Well, you went to uni for longer than three years and you are not in a nice fancy suit with your hair all befogged up <laughs> in the head of your fucking uh, department. So, more fool you. That's sad, I don't want to be. <laughs> um, right, so now, now we've got the scene um, where they're all sitting together in the room. Right. And this is when uh, Dream Researcher comes in. Right, so they're talking then about what powers or like what they dream about so patricia arquette yeah. is that she can do backflips for some yeah. strange reason weird guy that plays dungeons and dragons has is that he can be a wizard and he can and he can stand up <laughs> and he can stand up oh yeah shit i forgot he was disabled yeah that's you I, got new legs <laughs> that's why i like this movie because they don't really shoot on it that oh by the way there's a disabled character like most other 80s movies do if there's a disabled character they do because there's a scene where the the, the the nurse picks him up and puts him in bed like he can do that himself I, but I don't, he doesn't need to be picked up there's also scenes where people are pushing him in the wheelchair I, but I don't think they're all ableist I, but I don't think it's as obvious as it is in some other movies where they just constantly refer to or by the way <laughs> as Baz said wheels here is in a chair like, I don't think they refer to it as obviously as they do in a lot of other films. It's literally about 10, 15 minutes away before Freddy actually tries to run him down and kill him with his own wheelchair. I, I mean, before this. <laughs> 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 I'm talking about up to this point in the notes. 
Uh, it technically, it's because they're all in a support group where they're all sitting in chairs, so you can't really tell. But see, if you look closely, you can see the, the wheels. See the wheels. <laughs> see the wheels. Uh, the junkie lassie, her uh, dream power is that she's attractive yet bad, even though she's attractive anyway. Yeah, and she just takes time to fix her hair. See if they are now deciding what their powers are. So they're basically saying, in my dream, I will have the power of flight. Then they'll go into the dream and they'll fight Freddy. Why doesn't one of them just say, in my dream, I have the power to kill Freddy Krueger? Go in, kill him, yeah. movie done, series done, that's it. Well, see, this is, this, that's what I would enjoy to happen in a movie. Something that was, like, made sense like that or that would be an actual real worldly solution to a problem but that you're not going to get that in kind of hollywood movies you're going to get something that can string a seat like a, a franchise along but this is also the scene that we we're talking about before this is the part where the boy who can't speak he goes out and he follows the nurse away so he's like ah, and here's the guy that can't talk following his dick to his death and he follows her into the room and then you get a bit of side boob oh wait and then you get full boobs too that nurse is full-on schwink. She's also got those high 80s pants that make it look like she's got really long butts. And her, her whole body looks... You know the kind I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the way they used to wear bathing suits where it looked like they got a full wedgie. Yeah. Uh, her whole body looks perfectly airbrushed. I spent a lot of time looking at this scene. Yeah. Well, see, this is the thing. So did he So he missed the, he missed the, the meeting where they could have powers because he's in the dream and he's still not talking. Aye, but if a big sexy nurse takes her top off and is wearing big giant pants, you probably won't talk either. You'll just be like, oh my god, this is actually going to happen. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut so I don't ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I would do, because every time I every time I get in a, in a situation like that, in my head or in my dream, I piss myself. <laughs> <laughs> so you better just keep your mouth shut and just let it roll for as long as you can. I'll keep, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> um... But this is when, obviously, the it's not the actual nurse, it is Freddy Krueger, and he spits out tongue bullets to tie him to the bed. Yep. And then the bed um, falls away, and he's, like, hanging over the Indiana Jones pit from Temple of Doom. Yep, and he says a great line, which... Hum dum shabai, hum dum shabai, hum dum shabai. <laughs> oh, sorry, Freddy says, I thought you talked about that. Hey, what the fuck was yeah. that? That's when the wee guy's getting lowered into the pit of laugh, he's going, hum dum shabai, hum dum shabai, hum dum shabai, hum dum shabai. Is he saying that? Yeah, what, in Freddy? Is... No, he's saying it in Temple Doom. Oh, right, okay. I was, <laughs> I was so confused there. <laughs> the Freddy says something, was it tongue-tied, bitch? Tongue-tied, that's what I was like. Because I've got, um, it's pun central. Was Freddy one of the first to go big on the puns? But I didn't write down what the actual pun was. It, it is something like, oh, you're tongue-tied, bitch. Because it, of course, it says bitch. But I can't, I can't hear that without hearing the Rick and Morty... Uh, yeah, what's his um, face? Oh, fuck, what is his face? Scary Terry. Scary Terry. Oh, boo. Oh, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he, so he then gets... He doesn't die yet. He gets captured up with tongues and held above Freddy's fire pit of hell. And then it's on to the Junkie Lassie's dream. Yeah, but this is the this is the point that I was making. Is this not when do they not get woke up at this point? The doctors come running into the room and they're all sleeping. Like um, all the the kids, Nancy and the like forty year old doctor, but the guy who can't speak is back in the room. Like he left, he followed the, the nurse out to go and get his jollies, and then when they get woke up, he's still inside the room. And that's what I was meaning. 
and he's, then he's in a coma because he's getting held over this fire pit bed and they, they need to go in to save him or something. But because he doesn't sleepwalk, Freddy doesn't need him to leave the room to kill him because he's in a coma, it's all in his head, so in his head he could have went anywhere, but he's still in that room. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah, getting out, yeah. But the same with all the odd kind of kids that are dreaming, if they're still staying in the one place, they will always be there no matter what happens in the dream, but if he's sleepwalking, then the dream's still happening, but Freddy can then just use that to his advantage and like make him jump out of a building. So I, yeah. if that guy was sleepwalking and went to the room where the nurse was, then Freddy could have made him do other things in that room, and then that's where he would have been found in a coma. Aye, I think, okay, I think it does make sense. <laughs> so we go to the junkie lassie's well, dream? No, no, I think, no, not yet, I don't think, I think, because I've got a couple of bits oh, to go here. Okay. I think we get the story of Freddy's mum first. Oh yeah, the, the ghost nun. Yeah, the ghost nun, and I was like, that story Freddy's mum is fucking nonsense, man. The bastard son of a hundred maniacs. They're like, ah, <clears throat> said that she got locked in over the holidays, and she get raped off a off a hundred different inmates or over a hundred times. Hospitals don't get locked for the holidays, and the, the and like I'm mean, using the air quotes. The inmates don't run the joint. You know, it's not like it. Oh, oh it's Maybank holiday. We just lock the door and just leave them to it and hope they're all still alive when we come back. That's not how it works. There's staff. It's a 24-hour service. There will always be people in there. Uh, you're kind of ruining... You're ruining my... Like, what I believe a mental asylum would actually be like. I, I, I fully believe that at the weekend, the, all the doctors and stuff just go home and then they come in Monday and see what's happening. It's honestly... It's literally 90% the most boring place on earth. I don't know, man. See, if you were like a proper... Obviously, you do know because you're actually there. A high security, proper nut house, I think would be so interesting, but it would also fuck me up. Well, <laughs> mine's is, mine's is I'm, I'm, I'm low secure, so basically, it's like the step before they come and live next door to you. But I have worked in the maximum security for Scotland before when I was doing my training as a placement, when I was like a, still training. But is that shit not interesting? Like people that are. It was born. It was born. No, nothing happened. Like, did it not? Slightly. It's not. You watch a film or you watch a movie and you think that it's like people getting jagged all the time or people escaping or one floor of the cuckoo's nest. It really is not. Is there any truth to if like them actually howling at the moon when it's full? No. Is that not a thing at all? No. Uh, Absolutely not. <laughs> this is shame, man. <laughs> So they don't, like, there's not people there that genuinely believe they are Abraham Lincoln? No. Well, what kind of asylums do they put in movies all the time? Well, back in, like, the 60s and that, you could, women used to get, like, put in asylums for um, being pregnant outside marriage, for uh, reading books. There was a whole, there's a whole actual comedy movie about uh, female hysteria, where the where the, this doctor decided that women were going mental because they wouldn't have enough orgasms. So he took it upon himself to give them orgasms. They would come in like a, like a gynecologist, put their feet up in the bed, put a wee cover between their faces and their fannies, and the doctor would just uh, go to town with his finger until they until they orgasmed. That was that is a genuine true story of what happened. And therein lies the reason everyone should go and do 10 years of medical school. <laughs> just to finger random birds to climax. <laughs> Just to make them less mental. 
Probably, yeah, he's probably going to make them less mental. That's, that's, that'll be good. Um, right, my question here, right, is, now I, I believe this is when, uh, I think his name's Joey, and this is the guy who's tied to the fire pit, so he's in a coma, so he's still stuck in this dream world, and Nancy's sitting next to him and says something like, uh, give him back Freddy or whatever. And then Freddy slices open his belly and says, come and get him, bitch, and writes it into his belly. Yeah. And there's a lot of evidence for people who are not in the Freddy loop to see that something is going on. Uh-huh. You know, to, to question it more than just, oh no, these kids are just tired or these kids are, you know, mentally ill or whatever. Like, there's there's a lot of evidence there from, you know, teleheed butter to just getting written on his belly, you know, to, to uh, professionals like the not only just Nancy, but the actual full-on doctor who's, like, pretty much in charge, like the consultant to that hospital, is taking these experimental sleep drugs to to try and sort it and he's like been in and seen it so i mean how does nobody quite how does nobody like say well actually you know maybe you know this is growing maybe we should just move these kids away from elm street but they do because tweed jacket doctor kind of quite quickly realizes that there's definitely something going on it's just the 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 witch doctor that doesn't and by witch doctor i mean the doctor who is a bit of a witch not an actual witch doctor yeah like the bitch doctor yeah that's the one uh, she's the only one that doesn't really believe it the other guy does he believes that there's something going on but do any of them ever see his belly apart from Nancy mm, I don't know and now that I think it was maybe she in a dream when she said yeah, that and is that why that's what I'm thinking maybe she was dreaming the whole time so that's why she can see it right perhaps that is the case <laughs> the next uh, the next part I've got is uh, a quote from uh, Kincaid yep uh, I don't know if they're in a dream already or if they're just about to go back into the like the shared dreams they're planning to actually fall asleep on purpose let's go kick this motherfucker's ass all over dreamland <laughs> I don't know if that was the accent that was close <laughs> this morning are we at junkie girl death yet we are almost at junkie death we, I've got a note here now let me try and read my writing because once again I've written like a fucking chunky <laughs> Oh, right. So, no, this is when uh, Patricia Arquette wakes back up at the start of the movie again. And she's back in her room and her mum comes in and says, what are you doing? You're still out of this after one. It's, you know, the very first dream sequence. Like, they try and make you think that this whole movie didn't happen. Like, as if, the, uh-huh. you know, you're back to that original dream as if the whole movie was a dream. Then it's quite quick that um, Freddy comes running in in a tuxedo. And uh, I don't know what she shouts at him, where's the bourbon, bitch? And then cuts <laughs> off her mum's head and throws her mum's head at her and all that and it's quite but it's quite funny and i think that is now kind of the point isn't it like it, it, it is it's it's almost a comedy movie to your point i think this uh, yeah part three is where it starts freddie becomes more like a comedy character yeah it's campy you'd say it almost isn't it you could yeah. describe it as campy like the, with the puns and stuff and the and it is almost to get like laughs out of people but would he would he be as big a cult character if this didn't happen? Like if he was if it, if it wasn't yeah if, if it was played straight if he was still meant to be scary because how how many movies out of the franchise does he stop being scary? Yeah, well, I think straight after the first one, I think to be honest with you. So that's how they probably they probably had to then go camp to to give the the character a bit of kind of long lasting credibility. I mean, it's it's been Robert England's whole career because he's there's only been a, a handful of movies that I can I can think that he's uh, that he's been in. 
you know, other than the Friday movies and when you see him at conventions, when I met him at the convention, he was he was doing the Friday voice, he had the glove on and he was doing the voice at different people and it was pretty, pretty cool. I'm still so jealous that I missed that. Yeah. The last thing in front of me had a triple A pass and he was like, she went up and he's like, he put the, he put the finger through like the, the loop of her pass that was on her neck. I'll access this, bitch! <laughs> I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> then I went up and he went like that. Alright. <laughs> 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 I was like, cheers, Bobby. <laughs> uh, right, now we're on to uh, Goth Chick Death. Right. This death is the best in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Why? Because it's so fucking good. She's a junkie, so... Oh, that's right, aye. Needle hunt. Yeah, so what does Freddy do? Thanks, Scott. Fucking ruin it. He gets needle. Sorry. <laughs> he gets needle claws, and he. <laughs> what was it? He says something like, "Get your fix, bitch," and he stabs her with the the junkie needle knife claws, and it's so fucking good, man. It's just so clever. It's so original. It's kind of if you if you put on like all the different kind of Freddy's, right? So he's. I'm just thinking of the kind of phallic worm shape he was when he was trying to eat Patricia, like reverse bang Patricia Arquette, and now he's uh, kind of technically banging goth chick, like inserting his hands uh, serum inside her. I think you're maybe reading looking too much in it. I like like a pervert <laughs> reading far too much in it. There, I think he's generally just injecting her because she's a junkie and he wants her dead. I had. Uh, I need to go back because I've I've got um, my first note is that before the 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 needle horns come out, she's like brings out her wee tiny wee pocket knives again to try and fight him, and I was like, you could get fucking stabbed like eight times with the wee daft things, man, for a laugh and still be fine. And she's going up against Freddy. Aye, so he gets needle fingers and stabs her, but did she die high? Because then she kind of dies happy, then doesn't she? Mm, well, we, we never know. We never know. I, I don't think it clarifies if she's high or not. Yeah. Or just did well. It did clarify that she's did. She's definitely did. Next is the wizard man. Right. So he gets um. He jumps up and nearly gets run over. He's in a wheelchair. No, blows it up with his green lightning fingers. Uh. And then he tries to shoot Freddy with his lightning fingers, and the graphics are pretty shitty. And you think is it actually working? And then he turns him around and picks him up and stabs him right in the hat. Right in the hat. <laughs> Right, in the heart. So oh. I have to be like, uh, let me say, get your fucking jacket, you've been stabbed in the heart. <laughs> I honestly thought you meant the heart, and I was like, ah, no, I've watched <laughs> a totally different movie, but okay, I'll just, I'll just go with it. Nah, right, right in the heart. But, and this is when I come up with a, a point, right? Nancy's kind of set them all up to die just so that she can save um, Patricia Arquette under the guise of trying to fix the guy, fight, uh, save the guy who's tied up to the fire pit. Uh-huh. But is she, she, so she's she, a bitch. No, she probably thinks that they all together they do have the power to kill him. But he's but it's like he's not even they're not even coming close. Like they're getting all these powers or thinking they've got these powers, they're not even close to actually beating him. I don't think that's Nancy's fault. I think that's stupid Wayne's fault. For all having rubbish powers. Like, oh I can backflip or or I can fight with wee tiny knives. Nancy tried yeah, they, to, her best to work with what she had. She just had shite. Yeah, no, I think you're giving Nancy too much credit. I think you're not giving Nancy enough credit. <laughs> Maybe, actually, right, get, get this for an idea, right? So, basically, she's not a dream therapist or whatever she was supposed to be. And um, she 
uh, at the end of the first one went insane and as you say it was alluded to it in the second one that she the survivors went to a mental institution perhaps that mental institution is actually that big that the the doctor for that wing where the kids are currently in in this movie they don't know Nancy and she's actually from another wing like the long stay ward that she's never getting out of ever and she's just found a suit walked into these wards and just pretended to be a dream counsellor and she's actually a patient. Did you just go full Shutter Islanders? I think so. I think you did. So that's, that's an interesting potential. And maybe that's why she then has a close relationship with Tweed Jacket Doctor because he's actually her doctor and he's just letting this play out to see how it goes, see if it would be cures her. Because if she thinks she's killed Freddy yeah. because he, he, he doesn't see Freddy so... He'll let this happen, hoping that she'll eventually kill him and then she'll get better and fuck all those other kids because nobody cares about them. Yeah. Ah. But there is a potential. There is a potential. Interesting. Interesting. Right, so now we've now all we've got left is Kristen, Kincaid, Nancy and Joey. And this is when we find Joey again. He's just been tied up, left tied to this bed in the Indiana Jones fire pit for ages. And this is when I think the uh, Freddy says he's going to cut him loose. He's like, they're like, oh, untie him. He's like, all right then. But he's like hanging over a big fire pit. You're like, oh, fuck, that was, that was all this. <laughs> um, they come down, they have like a wee fight or whatever with him. And he says that he's taken all the souls or all the energy of all the dead kids and opens up his shirt and just shows off that his belly looks like the arrow cover of the Society movie that we've done a couple of episodes ago. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah, I, had a, I just said brackets, society. <laughs> yeah. Now, at the same time as this is happening, we've also got um, the Tweed Jacket Doctor and Nancy's dad, who they've went to get, who's like some alcoholic, but still a sheriff, because he's wearing the uniform. And he's, he's that looking at like, Freddy's like, life again, and how who killed him, and where they buried him, and all the rest of it. And that's when they think that if they t- give the bones a proper burial, or whatever, or like do a exorcism on the bones, then then it'll stop everything. Mm-hmm. Now, they kind of go through digging it up and all the rest of it, and then we get a stop-motion animation of this skeleton getting up and having a fight with Tweed Jacket Doctor. Now, like we said already, the stop-motion graphics for Freddy's snakehead at the start were good. The, <laughs> the walking skeleton fight, it's very Army of the Darkness, very yeah. Jason and the Argonauts, and it really hasn't aged well at all. Yeah, like, look at all... The, the Ray Harryhausen and stuff like Jason and Argonauts none of it ages well but there's still a wee bit of charm to it because of the actual effort and time that goes into doing that type of animation that I still enjoy it like no matter how shit it looks it's still the same as good practical effects it still it still tickles me the right way that I enjoy it like it, it, does, Aye, it, doesn't, it doesn't throw me out at the moment because I'm like oh shit, that looks fake, that's it, my suspension of disbelief's now over. I'm like, oh, there's so much effort into that that I applaud you. Yeah, I can I can appreciate the effort, definitely, but in terms of like it being a horror movie and it being scary, no. Yeah. But is, is this ever trying to be scary? Is this just trying to be just a fun, wild kind of ride? I don't, I don't think there's any scenes in this that are trying to be genuine or try to pro- provoke a genuine fear I think I think the opening dream sequence when she's in that the haunted house is trying to um, 
good for you. Aye, maybe when you're like fucking five. Like, Aye, I don't know. <laughs> I think that just that first opening sequence is is definitely scary. One hundred percent. But here after this, right, we're back inside the dream, and then we get Ghost Dad coming in. I'm like, fucking fuck's sake. Yeah, it's so There are good, elements man. of this that don't hold up. Now, this quickly, again, like the, the scene where they tried to make it as if the whole movie didn't happen, they quickly prove it doesn't and they take it back to the story. So this one, Ghost, Nancy's dad comes floating in in a beam of light and he says that he's passed over to the other side um, and he's happy or some shit like that. And then he turns into Freddy quite quickly. So they don't like string that one out or anything. They, they, it's Freddy at, at it. And that's when he then... Stabs Nancy because she's come over to cuddle her dad. Turns into Freddy and he stabs her in the chest or the belly or whatever. So, and I think at this point we're starting to think, how how the fuck are they actually going to get out? How they how are they going to, you know, solve this? Whatever. We cut back to outside again, and Tweed Jacket Doctor is lying on the deck and he's knocked the skeleton into the grave and he throws the holy water on it, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Takes about fucking hour and a half. Pulls it across and holds it to the bones and inside um, the dream uh, you've got Freddy like glowing into glow of light every time that the supposed to be where the holy water's hitting him he's just blowing into you know like yeah, these beams of light and I'm just thinking so God's just sitting there like chilling like you know up in, up in heaven sitting in his clouds playing Xbox or something and then until the doctor says you know throws some holy bible lines at him and throws out some holy water and he goes oh fuck that's, that's happening down there a better uh, Better solve that, let that work, you know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Aye. It doesn't make any sense. I know, uh, I'm with you in that one. It's such a cheap excuse to get to the end and just throw, you know, the Bible at it and say, oh, no, that's it, God fixed it. Well, what the fuck's God let it happen in the fucking first place for? <laughs> Ugh. That issue attacked uh, whether or not man's been in space and religion, all in the one episode. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's the same argument, really, if you if you want to sit down and talk to me about it. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> no, not tonight. Uh, I've, got, I've got nothing else after that. I think it ends in some kind of funeral. I don't know if they, they imply that there'll be another one, but there was. There was another four or five. I think that Wes Craven tried to kind of kill it here again. Like, stop fucking trying to turn us out of a franchise. That's it. It's done. And then obviously they, they always find a way to come back. I can't even remember how part four goes. I don't even know if I've watched part four. I know that part six, I believe, is the one with Breck and Meyer where they've got that daft computer game death. But I don't really know about, I can't remember part four. And I've heard a lot of people say part five is their favourite. Really? So, yeah. So I'll maybe go and um, have a wee swatch of them. But I'm not really, to be honest with you, I'm not really in any rush. I think part seven, part one and part seven is probably was a good fresh take to keep it interesting by saying that it was actually all movies and it's then like uh, had Heather Lion Camp playing herself and Robert England playing himself and then saying that it actually it is, or her, her, her friends came out of the movie this is, 7 was New Nightmare then New Nightmare I yeah. always think it's 8 it's New Nightmare no That's so fucking but I think I don't know where you count um, I don't count like the Freddy versus Jason and that kind of stuff I think Freddy vs. Jason does count, but that would then be Nightmare... That would then be Nightmare 8, because New Nightmare right. was the the final one before Freddy v. Jason. Yeah? Right, uh-huh. uh, oh, I, I'm so confused. I've seen them all. I've got all the box sets, but they just all blur into the one movie. Yeah. Uh, but, 
yeah, I don't have anything else apart from I still enjoy this, even now. I enjoyed it when I first seen it. I enjoyed it watching it again for this. I enjoyed talking about it, and I will probably go again tonight and watch it again. It's, um, for me, it's, I love, like, 80s movies because they write a song for their credits. That's always good. Yep. But it, this is still a great entry in the series. It's probably top, in the top three, but it doesn't fully hold up 30 years later. There are some scenes that kind of let it down, but I'd say it is the best one, so I'm giving it eight ripped out veins out of ten. Bitch. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I'd give it an eight as well. Out of all kind of teen slasher films from the 80s, oh, sorry, franchise teen slasher films, like, as in from the series, uh, I think this would probably be my favourite. So out of all Nightmare on Elm Street, out of all Friday the 13s, and even out of all the Halloweens, perhaps, apart from maybe Halloween 2, this is my favourite. Wow. And the thing is, there's, there is something about it that's fully iconic that did stick, because people do say, like, I know I just say people say their favourites part five, but part three is definitely, the dream Wars is the one that people remember. The deaths are, or the dreams are so unique and interesting, and it then sets Freddy up as being such a kind of cult hero, in certain terms, as the kind of funny guy that can like, you could have Freddy Krueger or Robert Englund as Freddy Krueger on chat shows and they can really, they can market the absolute fuck out of it because he's not just trying to be a scary guy or a scary, mysterious character you don't know. He's an accessible character that kids can find funny, adults can find funny, and it really works. And it all started in this because the original Nightmare, he was meant to be terrifying. The sequel, who knows what the fuck he was meant to be, and this is where they kind of he found his feet and he became the Freddy Krueger we all know, which then means I've got more of a kind of fun, nostalgic love for this film. They have managed to make uh, women want to bang a pedo, a, a horribly disfigured pedo. So it really just goes to show that if you're charming, you can go away then. Yeah, it gives us all hope. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so you give it an eight? I give it an eight. I give it an 8. That is Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, the best in the franchise, if you ask me. Hi, all you teenage comet zombies. This is Kelly Maroney, and you're listening to Scott and Liam versus Evil. So we'll be back with episode 66 in the near future, uh, which will be a fun one. That's us back for, back for the foreseeable. Till, uh, back in the saddle again. So, yeah. Newly married Mr. Scott, uh, where can you find us? You can find us online if you go to Google and search Scott and Liam versus Evil. We'll come up. There's a bunch of, we're on the front pages for a couple of that. You can go to Scott and Liam versus Evil.com. You can go to Facebook and search Scott and Liam versus Evil. You'll find the group in there and you can join the group and, um, you know, interact with us. It's been good. There's one thing, even if the episodes haven't been dropping um, as regular as we would like, the activity in the group is constantly going. So definitely get yourself in there and uh, join the chat. We're also on Twitter at Scott and Liam versus and we're also on Instagram at Scott and Liam versus Evil. So join us. Yeah, join us. Please do. Bitch. So... Enjoy my life until I next speak to you on this, Scott.
Yes, and you enjoy um, single life or <laughs> cohabit cohabiting life, which yeah. is technically the same thing <laughs> these days. That's from a, a newly married point of view. Uh, but yeah, so we'll see you guys in a few weeks and bye. See ya.